You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Another world, another time, in the age of wonder. There was once a dream, you could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper, and it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers, Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm going to have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can fly. All it takes is faith and trust. Well, if it isn't the Star Spangled Man with a plan, what is your plan today? Up to Neverland! <laughs> Take your pixie out of your pockets, Neverlanders. You got it right here. Alrighty. Now remember, we're thinking our happiest thought. I've got to remember mm. the happiest mm. thought. Mm. Uh, okay, there it is. I got it. I got it. Happy thoughts. Happy thoughts. And then, of course, we can take off, take a good flying jump with that happy thought, and we're flying away to Neverland. <laughs> it's me. It's Jeremy. It's the head Lost Boy Spider Pan here. And, of course, Lost Boy Eric is flying right along with us. Hello. How do you? Yay, we've got good sound quality from you, so we get to hear from you again. <laughs> For the time being. Yeah, because we've had some struggles the last couple of weeks, and when we go and we're going to have more audio with Jim Corcus, and we can we can hear you a bit through your phone. So it, it kind of worked. Of course, neither one of us really got much chance to ask him any questions. He just got so many <laughs> stories. You just let him go. That's true. <laughs> that is true. So he gave us so much and so many stories that really he's wrapped up a lot of the St. Louis story by the point of where we're going to pick up. But he's got so many stories about Walt and some surprising facts about Walt and some little bits of tidbits and details and just little things he just chatted about that was just so great that we're going to listen to all of that today. So we have even more fun. And if you want to hear the entire conversation, including some stuff that I've, I've cut out, all connected Patreon supporters at the $5 level, which I call the Magic Makers level, get to hear the entire conversation. In fact, it's already posted to Patreon long before you're getting a chance to hear this very episode. It's up there. I've shared it. You can hear the whole thing for just $5 a month. Really helps us out. And of course, that's just some of the exclusives with some of our guests coming up. Guest audio, I like to try to get it out to the uh, the $5 level early. So you get that little bonus treat whenever we have a guest on, which I have a lot of guests coming up. I've even been talking to a guy who was, uh, you know, we're going to do something kind of fun, novelty and toys. Uh, a guy who's a huge Hot Wheels collector. That's actually is local to me. That's he was like, hey, you know, I'd love to do something with y'all's show. And I knew he was a big fan of Hot Wheels. He mentioned to me that there's actually a Disney Hot Wheels collection. So he's going to oh, come yeah. on sometime and talk about that. I'm not sure exactly when that's going to happen because we've already got another author, Chris Lucas. We're setting up for next week that he's going to tell us about his brand new book because we love talking about all these books because we learn stuff. Oh yeah, definitely. And nothing like a good bit of Disney info and Disney history to you know just help. Find us and uh, get our memory going and, you know, start to find these connections, you know, just like uh, Jim Corcus shared with us over these last two weeks about, you know, I had never known that uh, St. Louis was really that seriously considered. 
Yeah, and I, how close I came to having a great little Disney park I could have visited just a few hours away. I could drive that in a day, less than a yeah. day. Oh, my goodness. It's just a quick jaunt down to the river. But the funny thing is, okay, so all this knowledge we gain. And all right, so I've learned something. I was at a retirement party last night, and it was it was 80s themed. Mm. So playing some 80s music and having some fun. And we had a 15-question trivia contest. Oh, my. Now, now, see, to me, these questions, I feel like they're common knowledge. Apparently, maybe they're not. Hmm. So I'm, I'm thinking maybe we live in our own little weird world as either maybe as a podcast listener or maybe because podcasters, we, we kind of have to be experts sometimes because we, we do some nostalgia here. And so maybe just being an expert on this is kind of part of what we do. Or maybe we're we're weirder than we think, or maybe we're you know we're just a a group that we're bonded more in on fandom. I don't know. But in order to kind of an experiment on this, I'm going to give you the same quiz and see how you do. Oh no! So we're going from the knowledge we gain to the knowledge we game. Da da da! I feel like that should be. <laughs> I should have a sounder for that. That was a good. One. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I, I'm going based upon my my answers are written on this little of paper here, which I have to remember the questions based upon the answers I wrote because I got these right, except for one that I got wrong. Oh, so but I bet you'll probably get the same one wrong that I got wrong. It's very possible because there's a good reason that I got it wrong. Anyway, so right. question one. Okay, question one. Name two presidents from the 1980s. Two presidents from the 1980s. That would be Ronald Reagan and George Bush. Right. Senior. Or senior. I would have also accepted Jimmy Carter because he didn't actually go out of office until later in 1980. I right. almost wrote down all three, but I wasn't sure if Jimmy Carter was still around because uh, I was I was like three years old. So <laughs> oh, until around late January of uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was like no, yeah. Somebody told me it was like November when he actually went would have went out or something like that ah. that year. So that's interesting. Uh, all right, so number two. Okay. Do you remember those shirts had a little crocodile as their emblem? What was the name of that company? I want to say. Uh, Lacoste or Lacrosse? Uh, no, final it's answer. not Polo. Yeah, final <laughs> answer. Izod. 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 I Z O D. I don't know how I remembered that, but I remembered that. I got that one. Well, I know I've got a couple of Izod shirts. They certainly don't have a little alligator on them currently. Yeah, not anymore, but I, I don't know how I remembered that. It was weird to me <laughs> last night. Okay. Number question three, and this is going to be easy for you, I'm sure. Okay. What, what is the name of the van in Scooby Doo? Oh, that's the mystery machine. Ding ding! Yeah, that was easy. <laughs> Which that still counts as an '80s because there were still some some good Scooby Doo series in the '80s. Oh yes, with, with the Twelve Ghosts of Scooby Doo. Yes, the uh, Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo. Oh, Scooby-Doo. thirteen. That's right. Well, I just learned that money. there is a, uh, I, I don't want to call it a remake, but there's an update of that concept coming uh, soon from Warner Brothers. Well, I would be excited about that if I thought that they were doing a good job with the brand right now, but I'm, I haven't enjoyed it. So, <laughs> Well, they did show off that Vince Van Gogh is part of the series or the show or whatever it is they're doing. Well, that's nice. I just wish Vincent Price was still alive <laughs> to be the character. As, as do I. Okay, now this, they had a one specific answer, but I'm sure there's more than one answer you can give. Name a product that was introduced at McDonald's in the 1980s. 
a product that was introduced at McDonald's in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say uh, the chicken nugget. Yep, that's the answer they were going for. Uh, I had also recollected the McDLT, which oh, yes, yeah, I think it only the lasted like a couple hot, of years. Cold side, cool. Yeah, Jason Alexander's commercial, which we might mm-hmm. all remember. Which is those weird stuff that, yeah, see, I remember this stuff. I, and, and other people look at me like I'm crazy when I remember it. And maybe we are. But yeah, I wrote well, down hey, McDonald's. I, and... I did have a McPizza at some point in the 1980s as well. McPizza? McPizza. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that must have been exclusive to certain areas or something. It, yeah, I believe it was a trial market. And let's just say it's a good thing did not catch on. Wow. <laughs> Okay, uh, what item? What fashion item became popular thanks to the movie Flashdance? Uh, leggings? Leg well, warmers? There you go, leg warmers. I was like, leggings, you're close. But yeah, leg warmers. Which I've never I even seen that movie. what they were called. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't wear them, you know. <laughs> Here's another one I'm sure you're going to get too. How fast do you have to be driving in order to travel through time? Oh, that's 88 miles per hour. Exactly. Although if now, it were Sammy Hagar, you know, he can't do 55. Right. Well, he's got to go faster than 55. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, here's the, the only one of these questions that I got wrong. Who won five NBA championships in the 1980s? Well, I know that it can't be the Bulls, so I would say uh, Larry Bird and the Celtics. Nope, it was the Los Angeles Lakers with Ooh. Magic Johnson. Oh, 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 there you go. See, I got that one wrong because I was thinking, well, does, was Michael Jordan playing in the 80s? And so I wrote the Bulls, and then after I'd written that down, I was thinking, what if it was the Lakers? So I should have went with my second thought there. So I would have been perfect if I, but you know, I never pay attention to basketball and I'm sorry, I'm a nerdy geek. I'm not big. I mean, I'm, I'm, I like sports enough, but I'm not a huge sports guy. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of the way it is. Well, right. I, I'm, I'm not a big sports ball person either. So exactly. <laughs> I know enough. My sports ball team is better than your sports ball team or something. Or then weird. I have a song like that and something like that's pretty funny. Your sports team is really inferior. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Alrighty, so now this is another one to, I, I, to me it's an easy question but some people struggle with this one as well question 8 what is the name of the talking car in the hit series Knight Rider oh that's easy there's both Kit and there's Car exactly but of course and, we're aiming for Kit <laughs> I know and I just learned that the person who uh, voiced Car was um Oh, no, no, I just blanked out. Now I can't remember if it was either <laughs> Brian Cummings or if it was, um, um, and I'm completely blanking out on his name, Optimus Prime. Ah, Peter Renaday, not Peter Renaday. No, um, not um, Peter, Peter Renaday. Yeah, Peter Colin. I was watching a whole bunch of uh, Saturday Rewinds uh, videos yesterday, and I think I got those two confused. Uh-huh. I'll have to look into that because I, I don't remember necessarily the voice of Carr because that's been a long time. The one thing I was trying to remember, and I asked some people, I thought somebody in the room would have remembered this. I said, do you remember what Kit stood for? Is this Night Industries? And I'm thinking 10,000, but do you remember that one? Uh, uh, 2,000. 2,000. 
I knew I was close. But I was, but I was asking around. Why? Well, hey, anybody remember what that acronym stands for? And nobody had a clue. And I was the only person who at least remembered, you know, Night Industries and something thousand. So, okay, number nine. And this was fun. This was a song of the month the year it came out at my school, and we sang this. Ah, but. What song was super famous for having multiple artists singing in a charitable thing for feeding Africa? I would assume that is We Are the World. We are the children. We are the ones that... We had a sing-along start yesterday. (laughs) But then again, there's also Do They Know It's Christmas Time. Right, but that was more of a Christmas thing. That's true. True. But it was still, I think they were trying to feed Africa. That was Feed the World. Yeah, it was Feed the the World. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Question number 10. What was the famous slogan for Wendy's in the 1980s? Oh, uh, oh, where's the beef? Where's the beef? (laughs) Yep. That was pretty easy to me, at least. (laughs) I think a bunch of other people got that one. And number 11, some people actually struggled with who was the singer of the hit song Papa Don't Preach? Oh, that was Madonna. Yep, Madonna. There were some people who got confused, thought maybe it was Cindy Lauper. So they're in trouble deep if that's what they think. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but they're keeping their baby. So uh, number twelve. What is the make and model of the car from the Dukes of Hazard? Well, I know it is a Dodge Charger. You got it. Which I had to verify because he didn't say General Lee. And so I said, do you do you want the name of the car or the make and model? I said, oh, the make and model. I said, OK, Dodge Charger, you know, so <laughs> some people got it close. They, they had like a Dodge Challenger written down from last night. Apparently it's like, ooh, that's really close. Mm. All righty. Good old boys. They never mean no harm. Although somebody meant some harm to this character in the hit series, Dallas. Uh, who got shot? Question 13. J.R. J.R. And I even asked, like, are we sure we're not just dreaming that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I never, ever, ever watched an episode of Dallas. Yeah, my parents did, and I got called JR enough because it's my initials, and so Ah. generally that meant I was in trouble. So (laughs) (laughs) all I knew was like, dude, that guy's got a genie. Yes, I got that reference. I understood that reference. Uh, I've gotten to meet Barbara Eden. Barbara, she, she's so super nice and delightful when I got to meet her. So, and question 14. What was E.T.'s favorite candy? Oh, that was uh, M&M's until they rewrote it because they couldn't get M&M sponsorship. So it became Reese's Pieces. Exactly. Which some people wrote down M&M's and I did tell them, so, you know, it almost was M&M's, but uh, I forgot the Mars company, I think, makes M&M's. They were not smart enough to take the promotion and it actually <laughs> saved Reese's Pieces from extinction. And that is my favorite candy. In fact, and now we have now we can get Reese's Pieces in our peanut butter cups. And now we can even get Reese's Pieces in a Hershey bar. Mm. I want to eat one so bad. <laughs> I saw that ad. I was like, oh, my goodness. I actually was eating Reese's Pieces as I saw. I forgot to mention we're going to have a movie review because I went to go see the kid who would be king. And I was eating some Reese's Pieces while I was sitting there eating, watching that movie. So, all right. Fifteen. Final question. What movie made Ray-Ban sunglasses popular? Oh, goodness. Um... I would have to say, and this is 80s trivia, otherwise I'd say Men in Black, so I would have to say Risky Business. Oh, 
Same lead actor, but it was actually Top Gun. Top Gun. Gotcha. So you missed two of them. I only missed the one, the, the sports ball question. <laughs> but it was a tough question. It was that, that, that the alligator crocodile thing. That was a tough one to miss. But overall, you know, a lot of these questions, did they feel like they're just kind of common knowledge to you? Uh, for the most part, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, then again, you know, we grew up in the 80s. A lot of this was stuff that we experienced that we, you know, it's pop culture. But yet I'm surrounded. I was in a room full of people that went through the 80s. Did not know a lot of this, hmm. which is why I'm thinking we might be this exclusive group. Of course, now this could be that because you're also a podcaster or you listen to a lot of other podcasts. I don't know if it's because we're being podcasters or that we listen to a lot of podcasts and we do stuff like Techno Retro Dads. They'd love to this quiz, you know, stuff like that. Is that why we know this stuff? Are we like this weird hidden group or are we just weird that we know and think this stuff is important? Well, I think it's those of us who uh, try and make sure that we make our regular trips to Neverland as often as we can. We still embrace our our youth and our childhood, I guess, a bit. (laughs) So, but but Heather and I had this nice conversation about that coming home. (laughs) Like, you know, like, am I really that kind of weird? I mean, I know I'm kind of nerdy geeky or whatever in that sense, but uh, I I guess I, and I remember when uh, they were going to Lazari, who got 15 right? And I almost had my hand up. I said, well, I got 14. So, well, who got 14 right? And my hand went up by itself and I looked around the room and nobody else. And there wasn't a large group until we got like 10 or below. Then suddenly more hands were going up. Oh, wow. I was like, wow. And he, Heather didn't even get uh, the, the DeLorean speed. She got it at 85. She was so close. Mm. Some of those, if she'd have gotten wrong, I'd have been like, have you not lived with me for like near 16 years? <laughs> you know, but she got like the important ones. You know, she didn't know Kit was with two T's, but that's OK. I said, well, at least you knew it was Kit. So. Yeah. So that was, I thought, very, very interesting. And I guess I learned a little something about myself. And, uh, you know, because I, I know I can get into a room full of, like, regular common people. And I'll know a lot more stuff about Disney than them. But there's people who can out-Disney me. But mm-hmm. and, and that I expect because I'm, I've am i been head, head deep, I guess. Nose deep, nose dive, head deep, whatever, into this whole Disney thing now for, oh, going on 10 years since I visited the parks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Well- I'll tell you, one of my uh, great regrets is uh, while I was able to work for the Disney store for a short time, I wasn't there long enough to participate in their annual Disney trivia contest. But Heather was telling me how Philip and I, you know, would be, well, that's our thing in the 80s. We'd be able to talk this stuff. We could throw in questions about Hulk Hogan and we'd know that too, you know. So we're, we're like, I feel like we're an elite group or there's something seriously wrong with us, but we're having fun and we don't care. <laughs> that, that is true. Exactly. But we do have some news to dive into this week. Spanning the Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. All right, so the first thing that I want to get into, other than uh, Happy Lunar New Year, Year of the Pig, which apparently the three little pigs are running around the Disney parks in lunar celebration garb, which yeah. somebody takes some pictures. I kind of like to see that. That'd be fun. Yeah, it's it's neat. Uh, what I've seen, you know, they're dressed in traditional Chinese clothing, uh, red and yellow, 
and mm-hmm. uh, you know, just just a, a good way to mash up Disney with the new uh, Lunar New Year. Yeah. And if any of you happen to be pigs out there by the Chinese calendar, send us a message and tell us what you feel like because you're a pig. I'm a snake, so <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I'm, I'm not necessarily trustworthy in, in some accounts or something. I don't know, but I am supposed to be wise and crafty or something. I don't remember. There's a description. So <laughs> it's a very, you know, whenever you go to eat Chinese food, you can learn weird things about yourself, apparently. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but something else that was really nifty. Uh, so the Magic of Disney store near Gates 159 over in Orlando International Airport was actually closed because they were doing some redesign. Uh, there was mm-hmm. like a, a checkpoint expansion going on. And yeah. so it took them six months, but they have actually reopened the Magic of Disney store. And one thing that they've noted here at WDW News Today, they said that the, it seems to be more mannequins and screens, which is very different. And looking at the pictures, it's very different from the what I expect of a Disney store. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that I have at like Overland Park Mall, it's it's it feels like a toy store when you go in there. It's a lot of yeah. toys and merchandise. This feels um, fashionable. I mean, it's it's got a lot of shirts. It's got some toys in there, a lot of plush and some hats and all kinds of neat stuff. But it seems the design is more. I don't know. It feels clean. It doesn't feel yeah. as fun and festive. More functional over. Uh, yeah. Than- and it's more else. more airport <laughs> but it looks nice yeah yeah definitely um you know and it's it's a great opportunity especially if you're you know just coming into orlando or getting ready to leave before you go through security and trust me their security really does need to get revamped uh, there in orlando uh, but uh you know it, it it's a great way for you to stop off and get that very last souvenir you know maybe there was something you had your eye on all the time and you get to the airport and there it is and it's your last minute impulse purchase uh, before you go through security and head on to your flight um you know this this isn't uh, unusual for Orlando. There's stores there for SeaWorld, for Universal Studios. There's even one for the Kennedy Space Center. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's, again, that opportunity to try and get that last little Disney Disney World-themed souvenir. Yeah, and, and looking at the photos of what the Magic of Disney Store used to look like, that's what I expected Disney Store to look like. Mm-hmm. With the nice blue stars carpet and all kinds of different colors. Uh, so, I mean, it's very, very different now. And and I actually, when I went to Orlando, uh, I spotted that Universal shop and I was like, oh, hey, let's go ahead and take a quick moment and look in here. And I bought a Spider-Man shirt there. Of course I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's one of the ones where it's it's got like texture for like trying to give you an abdomen muscles. Oh, so yeah. Can, I can wear muscles on my fat tummy. <laughs> so uh, I had to buy one. So it was an impulse buy actually as I was arriving instead of leaving. <laughs> mm-hmm. so I guess I'm backwards. <laughs> well, I learned that uh, the uh, city walk over at Universal Orlando is uh, you can park for free after 6 p.m. So I'm thinking one of our future adventures in Orlando will be going to visit city walk in uh, Sing with us what else they have to provide over there. Yeah, you get some Harry Potter merch. Wait. Exactly. You yeah. get your wand. Well, you could get your wand at the airport, too. But, oh, cool. You know, that's not as much fun as getting right. it inside the park. Sure. 
Uh, speaking of being inside the park, you know, Disneyland, when they're going to open Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, they've been already saying that they're going to have some massive numbers of people coming in, especially if we're, you know, the rumors are true about this 28-minute uh, Rise of the Resistance ride. Which, yeah. Wow. Uh, but they're, they're, they've now call it Project Stardust, mm-hmm. which is basically they're going to try to tweak a few things, uh, limiting a few trees and planters and... Well, they're going to create the Death Star. (laughs) Yeah, they're creating a Death Star. If the crowds get too bad, they're going to blast you away. (sighs) Oh, yeah, that was Project Stardust in Rogue One. Yeah, it was. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and this this has been something that they've been working on for a couple of years. Yeah, they they're to be honest, you know, the way that I describe Disneyland anymore is you cannot extend your arms out and walk without touching anyone at any given point. And where they've got Star Wars land at the very north end of the park, uh, you're going to have to go through, you know, quite a quite a bit of uh, people and sidewalks and and pathways before you can get back there. And you know, estimating and judging the uh, crowds that they'll be expecting with the opening of Galaxy's Edge, they have been trimming back on uh, some of these obstructions that are in the pathways. You know, for example, in uh, Adventureland, they had two huge planters out in the middle of the walkway, which served as a great place to stow uh, strollers uh, while you were on uh, the attractions there. But they get in the way. They took out the planters. They've moved the stroller place. Um, you know, part of the reason for Tropical Hideaway was to remove the uh, Aladdin-themed element uh, of a dome before you walk into the restaurant area, you know, they took that out to help improve the flow of traffic through that area. Uh, over by the Haunted Mansion, they've uh, cut back on the planter benches that they have in front of the mansion. Um, and they've been working on little improvements all throughout the park just to help uh, with that traffic flow as you go back and forth uh, all the way up to uh, Galaxy's Edge and back. And of course, raising the ticket prices to try to cut down on some of the local. So, I mean, even low demand days went up to 104, mm-hmm. and otherwise, the daily ticket for peak times is 149 now. Uh, yeah. That, I mean, by the time That's I get a chance to get out there, I'm going to have to be wealthy. Yeah. <laughs> Just about. Just uh, yeah. about. So we'll see how that works things out because, uh, I mean, they really do have to worry about traffic in there. But, you know, I personally, I don't mind waiting a little bit to let things slow down just a bit before going to visit it. You know, let some of the initial excitement cool off just a bit and then, you know, go in and enjoy it. Because really, those, those first, oh, at least months, I mean, even over this first summer of going into Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, it's going to be hard to feel immersed when you're part of a massive crowd. Yeah. You're not going to get to interact with those animatronic salespeople or, you know, get in there. You know, you're going to have to wait in line if you want to go and buy or trade for weird Star Wars items. You know, like these weird dolls that are supposed to be in-universe dolls. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's going to suck some of the fun and immersiveness out of it. So... My advice, unless you just feel like you have to be there as soon as it opens, hang back a bit or utilize the opportunity as everybody's rushing off to Star Wars Galaxies to hit everything else in the park, because I'll bet you everything will be fairly short wait and you can just have a ball at Disneyland (laughs) riding everything else. Maybe even Peter Pan won't have a big line, you know? (laughs) Possibly, possibly. Yeah, I'm... 
And I, I just saw a meme the other day. It showed someone holding a ticket for Pandora and throwing it away. And the meme was saying, uh, what I hope happens when Star Wars land opens. <laughs> so everybody else gets a chance. Right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's, you know, unless you absolutely have to be there, just hang back for a little while. Give it maybe a year to kind of settle down, become more of a normal-ish. I mean, it's still going to be very busy for a while, but, you know. Mm-hmm. Let it cool off just a hair, you know. Oh, yeah. It's like those new Christmas toys. You know, after a week, they're just sitting somewhere. You know, give it a little time. (laughs) Yep. Plus, everything will start to get that nice, slightly worn, used Star Wars feel. Of course. (laughs) But you might need a bag at Walt Disney World to carry some of your goodies. Yes, you may. And they've actually has shown some new designs of some reusable totes made from 80% recycled materials. Uh, they're costing approximately a dollar to two dollar range. And I guess that might mean there might be different sizes or that uh, we don't know exactly how much they're going to cost. But WDW News Today has had some photos of these. There's a fun and apparently there's like multiple designs because they mentioned there's going to feature some park icons and attractions on some mm-hmm. of the different bags. But the only photos they have has one one with a giant Mickey head. There's another bag that has Donald and Minnie and Goofy and Pluto, which might be the backside of the one with Mickey's head. Mm hmm. So, which I mean, these are adorable. I would just want to have the bag just for the sake of it, because uh, they're not going to have any standard plastic bags offered. Although I'm one of them weird people somewhere around here. I've got a plastic bag from the Disney store that I just had to keep just because, <laughs> because it's from the Disney store and I liked the bag. Mm-hmm. You know, so, they, you know, I keep stuff anyway. But they're, yep. they're going to have these available over at Disney Springs and I believe inside the parks of well, as well, but mainly at the World of Disney. Uh, usually inside the parks, if you're there staying at a resort, you can get any products sent over to your resort room. And I, I advise doing that. That that comes in handy so you don't have to carry stuff because, heck, I even went and bought a, a big Haunted Mansion Life game, which I love it. It's a fun. Mm-hmm. It's great. I call it instead of life, it's afterlife. <laughs> That's what I call it. Uh, so, but you know, it's a big bulky item. It was better to get shipped, and then heck, even from your resort, you can even ship it through UPS and have it sent to your home, oh, yeah. uh, which that works out nicely too. Although I managed to carry everything in my carry-on bags from the airport, I managed to pack it all. So I was like, I'm saving money, despite I just spent all this on souvenirs. Yeah, yeah. Well, the great thing about these bags is it's not just that uh, Mickey design that they'll have on them. They're going to have bags specific to each of the four parks at Disney World. So, you know, it says it'll be based upon the attractions and the icons. So I imagine, you know, Epcot will have a a version of uh, Spaceship Earth on it, as well as, you know, something related to World Showcase or other elements of Future World. Um, Maybe Figment will be on there featured. That would be nice. We can hope. Yeah. (laughs) You know, Magic Kingdom, of course, will have uh, Cinderella Castle. Mm-hmm. Animal Kingdom will have Tree of Life. And um, MGM Studios, you know, will probably have uh, the Chinese theater, but they could just as easily have uh, Star Wars related elements on it. Yeah. You don't think they'll put that Sorcerer's Mickey hat? <laughs> no, that hat has been gone for a while now. Yeah, I know. Thank you. I those people miss it. To me, I thought that was the central icon when I was there because I really I thought it was neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't realize the Chinese theater was the center of the park, and someone know that we got we got discombobulated because we based our exploration of the park on the hat and not the Chinese theater. So somehow we missed an entire section where that that stunt show was and mm-hmm. where Toy Story Mania was. We completely missed that area somehow. So. Well, and and I didn't even get back to that part of the park myself. Um, we did uh, Sunset Boulevard. We walked up to the 
Chinese Theater, which was closed with the addition of uh, Mickey's right. Runaway Trolley. And uh, we went over to the Muppet and Star Wars themed areas. And that was it. Yeah. There's a lot of neat stuff to explore around there. I do remember walking down the New York street and then turning around because the Power Rangers were running around doing a show and I was not interested in that. So, <laughs> But Shanghai Disneyland just had an announcement that they're going to be building a themed area based on Zootopia, which overall I'd say that's pretty neat, but I, I want to see what it is they're planning to do. I, wanted some, I want to see some design photos because really Zootopia is a city. Yeah. So it seems to me like you're going to get a city street, but you can have some fun with that city street because you can have, you know, here's the little tiny buildings for the little mice to live in, uh, you know. But to really to theme this, you'd want to have a section. I mean, the, the cool part about Zootopia is having the different lands based on what that animal character would right, like to live in. Right, the different environments. And so if they can fit all these different environments into one little themed area, that would be pretty neat. Mm-hmm. So I can see yeah. this being really cool. Possibly, but yeah. I want to see the designs. Yeah, yeah. Let's see a little bit more about it. Yeah, right now all we know is they're, they're going to do it. But, oh, you know what got announced this week? What got announced this week? The Oscars, which I'm still probably not going to watch. I don't watch these award shows anymore. <laughs> what about the Burks and Ernie's? Or the, the Big Burks? And, uh, well, if they have, if they, if they suddenly come out with an Elmo show, I'm definitely not watching. Uh, but <laughs> but we've got some nominations, and one of these I don't think it has a chance in heck of winning. Black Panther got nominated for Best Picture, mm-hmm. which I'm excited about. I think this is cool. It's a great Marvel movie. It's getting nominated for Best Picture, and it's nice to be acknowledged that hey, you know what? These Marvel movies have been pretty darn good. Uh, but you know it's not going to win because it doesn't have any other bits for director or anything else that a typical best movie winner would have. You know, of that they're saying never. There, it's, it feels like it's being put in there because of the quote-unquote cultural significance of a black superhero movie. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's there's also been uh, an ongoing debate uh, uh, with the Academy and with ABC who hosts it, saying, you know, we need to get some nominees in there that people actually have seen. You know, movies that's also that- true people you know have have come to appreciate and i think this is an easy way for the academy to say oh you know what uh, we know that black panther was extremely popular it had a lot of critical praise around it you know let's include it as one of the nominees i know it's not that simple but you know i can certainly see that type of a discussion going or uh taking place um yeah. You know, but, you know, still the fact that, you know, it is a Marvel movie, it's a superhero movie, and it's being recognized, uh, whether it's because of its uh, qualities in and of itself being a movie or because of the of what it means to, uh, you know, as far as the audience that it was intended for, or the audience that has picked it up and appreciated it, you know, that's that that's another discussion in and of itself. Yeah. And it's definitely a good movie, but of, yeah. of the of the Marvel movies, I still liked Infinity War better. Mm hmm. And it did also have a deep villain motivation. I think that's one of the things that was great about Black Panther is we had some good villain motivations and we had a really interesting villain. But you know what? Thanos was just as interesting and his motivations were interesting as well. So I still thought Infinity War... Well, Infinity War also had that more epic scale. Uh, mm-hmm. But I haven't really been interested in a Best Picture thing since Lord of the Rings was in there, you know? That's the last time yeah. I actually watched. Yeah. Uh, but we got a couple for animated feature. From that, yeah. of course, we have a Pixar and a Disney. Now, of the two, Incredibles 2 and Ralph Breaks the Internet, I'm leaning Incredibles 2. I'm leaning Incredibles 2 as well, but I'm actually leaning even more for a non-Disney film in this category this year. Yeah, it's Into the Spider-Verse. Right. 
which that's I, I still don't know if I liked it better than Incredibles 2 because I they were both fun mm-hmm. Incredibles 2 I don't know I, I think part of the Incredibles might be just my love of the the franchise itself helps with it and then but also I do have a love for the Spider-Man franchise and this was so much fun into the Spider-Verse so I you know I mm, it's tough it's tough I well since they got a gold globe, let's let Incredibles two have have uh, another one. So maybe Brad Bird will think about a third one for us. <laughs> <laughs> but then we also got costume design. Now this is one that Black Panther I think could win because mm-hmm. I mean the costumes were so cool. Oh yeah, cool, vibrant, uh, just absolutely beautiful. Yes. So and, and it, it was very Africa, Lord of the Rings, but yet it had that sci-fi feel. It was oh my gosh, it was very cool. Mm-hmm. So. But other than that, Mary Poppins Returns is also up for best costume design. Uh, and that one, yes, the costumes were great. And especially, you know, I would almost like to hand it to Mary Poppins Returns just for that animated sequence and the costumes they had in there that blended in with the animation were amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, a cover is not the book. Exactly. So that, I mean, the rest of the costumes were, you know, very much period. And so they, you know, they're not something we haven't seen before, but that one sequence alone could be what would give Mary Poppins Returns the Oscar. But I got to lean towards Black Panther because of just the the look of the style. It was just so cool. Mm -hmm. Now for musical score, Black Panther and Mary Poppins Returns. Yes. I, I don't know if I could lean any particular direction because Black Panther, it was very, very cool. It had that Africa drums feel and also had some epic music in there. Then Mary Poppins Returns, the music is pretty good. Yeah. I just, I, I, I can't pick. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't either. I mean, uh, Mary Poppins, of course, is a much more classic score and it right. picks up on the elements of the songs that are used within the film. Whereas Black Panther, you're right. It, it's It's got that entire African... Uh, culture and beat behind it, which is really, you know, really a big part of the movie in and of itself as well. Yeah, it was very, very cool. Moving on to best original song, Black Panther, All the Stars, which I think is the the music in the credits. You know, I haven't actually watched it since the theater. It's on Netflix. I need to go and sit and watch. I need to go buy it. I haven't got a chance Mm -hmm. to buy it yet. Uh, But All the Stars is going up against Mary Poppins Returns, The Place Where Lost Things Go. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, the weird thing is, is that's not, that song is not going to be performed during the well, show. As of right now, it doesn't appear that it's going to be performed. But I did hear a very interesting way to include it. And that was to use the song during the tribute portion of the show. Yeah, that's not been a confirmed thing, but that's people getting the idea that that would be cool. And that would be a right. cool way to use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got to give this one to, to uh, the place where the lost things go. Now, granted, my, my favorite song from Mary Poppins Returns was the uh, Light Fantastic. I loved that. But, of course, my favorite sequence is the original is Step in Time. So yeah. I think it's just having the same feel as Step in Time and having that big bombastic, you know, dance thing. I loved it. So mm-hmm. that might be wildly that way. But the place where lost things go, I, I would, that, was, that would be a good one to put up there. I'm, I'm going mm-hmm. with it. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I'd have to agree. And it, a lot of this, it seems the same two movies are competing. Production design <laughs> between Black Panther and Mary Poppins Returns. Now, Mary Poppins Returns, very cool production. A lot of it is, I felt like it's uh, the scenery that we're, we're kind of used to. It looked like a mm-hmm. Mary Poppins film. Black Panther kind of gave us this hidden Wakanda world. Yeah, they, they had to create an entire world. 
yeah around it yeah with uh-huh. with elements that we are familiar with but still you know th- this entire society that's gone unseen mm-hmm. by the rest of the world so i'm leaning but, black panther mm-hmm. I, I am as well although you know mary poppins returns could give it a run especially oh, yeah. for the for the dalton bull uh portion of it mm-hmm. yes especially uh and i love the hand-drawn animation in there anyway so mm-hmm. oh mm-hmm. wow Short film animated, Bow. I don't know if I'm saying it right. I think it's Bow. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know what all it's up against, but you know, Disney Pixar fans, we're going with Bow on that one. I love that. Course. That was, it was a cute. It had a good, deep, solid meeting. It was very heartfelt. Uh, yes, indeedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black Panther is also up for sound editing. Go for as it. As well as sound mixing. Oh yes, and I've learned a lot more about how that works, and that is not an easy job. Oh no, you have to be good. Visual effects, though, Marvel Studios Avengers Infinity War, Christopher Robin, and Solo, A Star Wars Story. Any one of these three could get it, but I'm going to, just because it's a little different, Christopher Robin made us believe that stuffed animals were really there. Yeah, I I have to agree on that one as well. Both, you know, while as great as Infinity War was and Solo, you know, those movies are just, they're chock full of special effects. Right. You know, with CG being what it is anymore, it's kind of like, okay, so what? what's new about this? But with Christopher Robin, where they, you know, brought those characters to life, you know, took us to mm-hmm. the Hundred Acre Wood, you know, it's, I, I think it's different enough that it's got a good shot. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to lean on that one just because it's that, that difference. It wasn't bombastic, spectacular effects. It was just simple effects that made it real to where mm-hmm. we could relate into And we could love these characters as much as we've loved them in the past. It's like they could still, I haven't bought this one yet either. And I need to buy it because it's, oh, it was so great. Yeah. So, uh, yes, indeedy. Uh, so I, I'll be paying attention just to see what wins. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty much it. <laughs> but I'm not going to watch the show because I, I'm not interested in watching their shows anymore. Uh, but uh, January 30th this week uh, over at the TCL Chinese Theater in Hollywood, there's going to be a big tribute to Stan Lee uh, called Excelsior, a celebration of amazing, fantastic, incredible and uncanny life of Stan Lee. Uh, we've got a lot of special guests like Mark Hamill, Rob Liefeld, Michael Uslan, RZA, I have no idea who that is, Tom DeSanto, Marv Wolfman, Joe Casada, Jeff Loeb, love that guy, he's a great writer, uh, Bill Sinkowitz, Gil Champion, Lauren Schuler Donner, and Derek Hoffman, producers of X-Men, that's who that is. Uh, mm-hmm. I wonder if uh, Lauren Schuler Donner is related to, like, Richard Donner, I've always wondered that, but I don't know. Uh, anyways, husband and wife. They are husband and wife, okay. Yeah. Uh, we're also going to have like Phil Lord and Chris Miller, Avi Arad, and Amy Pascal. A lot of people are going to be showing up for this, but it's a limited amount of tickets. Uh, and if you go to uh, legionm.com slash standtribute, you can find out how to get those tickets. Uh, now, I have not heard anything about a live stream or televising this at all. I would expect that, kind of like the Jim Henson tribute program, that's what I would want them to do for Stan Lee, but I haven't had anything to confirm that that I have seen. Mm-hmm. Now, just just based upon uh, some of the guests and some of the people that are arriving, I would not be surprised if this were shown on Fox or FX, yeah. uh, because they are uh, they're including the cast of uh, Legion as well as The Gifted, which 
It makes me think that this is going to be something that Fox is putting together for their own broadcast. Yeah, so check your local listings. I know I'm going to check it out because I really would like to watch this. Uh, give me an excuse to sit here and cry alone in my room. <laughs> <laughs> So, but uh, that's all the news that is the news this week. And uh, now I've got a little movie review for you. There'll be spectacle, there'll be fantasy, there'll be daring do and stuff like you would never see. Yeah, we're gonna be a movie starring everybody and me. Boy, I wish I were you people seeing this for the first time. Kermit, I got a great picture of the chicken. Alex, you're gonna be late. Okay, okay. Tom. Here. Thanks, Mom. A land is only as good as its leaders. Somebody help me! Hey, leave him alone. A true king is brave and noble. Don't be a hero. I'm the king around here. You have more battles yet to fight. But fast as you can go, we've got you now! Now, you must choose what you stand for. Parents, you've got to see what I found. There's something written on the guard. Put it into Google Translate. It means Sword of Arthur. What if you're the only person who could have pulled that sword out? What if it's... Excalibur. Ah, finally. Follow me. I am Merlin. I thought Merlin was supposed to be an old man. An ingenious disguise, don't you think? In four days, the dark sorcerer Morgana will take over the world. Awake, my worries. And I'm supposed to stop her. That's ridiculous. There's your sword back, and good luck with everything. You're a king, Alexander. The sword chose you. Why would we help you? Because you're the strongest people I know. You're my knights. And this is the round table. Quick, Bettis, lift up the flaps. Oh, my God, you're such a nerd. This is destiny. It's just like in every story we ever read. Luke Skywalker, Harry Potter, something amazing happens. And they find out they're descended from magical families. Mum, don't freak out, okay? Who will join us? This is the best and the worst thing that's ever happened. All hail the once and future king. Please don't. It's embarrassing. Why did you learn how to drive? Mario Kart. Okay, now I've mentioned this movie quite a few times. Strangely enough, we never actually featured it in the trailer park, but I know I've mentioned that when I'd seen the trailer in the theaters, like this actually looks like a lot of fun. Uh, and going to, to get the audio for the trailer, strangely enough, I saw some people commenting on YouTube that uh, I guess based upon the fact that some of the people who worked on Percy Jackson and the Olympians, which I guess they are not happy about that movie. I didn't see the second one. I only saw The Lightning Thief, and it was okay. Uh, but based upon that, people were already downing on this movie, like, oh, this is going to be awful with these people. And I'm like, well, I wouldn't base it on that. I would base it on what you're seeing in the trailer. And what I saw in the trailer intrigued me. 
And so I was, you know, I got excited for it. I thought it looked like fun. Uh, Heather got, got a bit excited, thought it looked like a lot of fun. And so we went yesterday and it, we got exactly what we expected. It was a lot of fun. It was, oh my gosh, this was so great. And it's going to be, I think, underappreciated. I think everybody just needs to go out and get it. This movie felt like Disney could have made it. Yeah. It was very, felt very Disney. And you got to go and expect, okay, well, this is going to be a bunch of kids that thwart Morgana. So you're going to have to expect that little bit of goofy cheesiness that kids are somehow going to do this and just mm-hmm. go with it because that's part of the fun. And doggone it, Patrick Stewart is Merlin. <laughs> that's just flipping awesome. Well, and it makes even. Me think- Oh, I, I was just going to say Patrick Stewart with hair. <laughs> right. With crazy hair, too, because anytime he pops up, his hair is like everywhere. Uh, but, oh, my gosh, the rest of the cast, and I'm going to look them up real quick because uh, I, I should have done this before. The rest of this cast, even the 15-year-old version of Merlin, was so fantastic. Uh, I mean, because he... Uh, it's, uh, Angus Emery or Angus Emery. Uh, we'll see if we might we might know him from anything else. Um, I don't see anything else that I recognize. I mean, a lot of these kids, you know, I don't know that I've seen them in anything before. But Merlin's spells are these crazy hand claps and gestures that he does in rapid succession. You know, like this, he's doing this stuff, and the kid is do- he knows he's doing something that otherwise would be ridiculous. But he does it in complete seriousness, and he even has this Jedi mind trick spell that he does. And he finished it with this slightly hand flourish and these crazy eyes. And it's so <laughs> funny to see, but the kid's doing it like he believes he's doing these spells. He he sells it as ridiculous as it looks. He's, like, fully committed, and Merlin stole the movie anytime he walked in. <laughs> and he's in and out of it like Gandalf. He's only there when they absolutely need him. He shows mm-hmm. up. And oh, it, oh, I had so much fun. And it's got such a great message for our modern age uh, where there's so much divisiveness. Um, I mean, this this movie teaches about chivalry mm-hmm. and it's a message that's been lost. Uh, I mean, if you want to have a good anti-bullying message, this is the way to do it. And I, it really helps, I think, deliver a bit of the message that like the difference between bullying and being a hero is whether you're fighting for yourself or fighting for others. Yeah. And if you're big and you're strong enough that where you can fight and be good at it or whatever, and you need to be a protector. You are a knight at that point. And that's a, that's one just one of the lessons that comes across. Now they 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 come across they they they're they're, they're aiming at children a lot of times. So they have they kind of have to come out and say it a bit. So you know it might feel preachy, maybe. Uh, it didn't really mm-hmm. feel preachy to me because I, I know it was just I think it was just well delivered because they knew their their audience was there's going to be a lot of kids that are going to love this movie. I think the adults are going to have a good time, too, because mm-hmm. I'm an adult. I'm 41 and I had a blast, <laughs> you know, and it, I, it was funny. It had this epic fantasy feel underneath where this goofy kids movie. I mean, basically, if if you took the Goonies and you cleaned up the language and some of the themes, it's I mean completely cleaned up Goonies. But having like a fairy tale fantasy adventure somewhere along the Chronicles of Narnia of maybe what a Narnia movie should feel like, that's what this was. 
it was oh, it was just so great and a really great lesson. And I'm I'm going to steal a little bit of what Patrick Stewart says as Merlin towards the end of the movie. That you know, or no, I guess it's not even his that necessarily says it. It's the kid Alex who finds Excalibur and suddenly realizes that he is the heir. You know, he's got to be the heir of Uther Pendragon. Mm-hmm. So because he doesn't really know everything out of the lineage, and they don't really dive into it too much, um, but. He says, you know, he, he points to these two characters that you meet in the trailer that are basically the bullies. And he's like, you know, hey, when we got this going, we hated each other. But we learned by, you know, by hating each other, we couldn't see the real evils of the world that we needed to be together to go and confront. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that is a message to, I think, the America, to the entire world right now. There's so many people that are so worried about hating each other and finding excuses and making up things and reasons to hate each other that we're not looking at the real problems that we need to get together and deal with. And a movie that was just a, a, basically a kid's movie to be able to give that message, I think, was fantastic. And I hope this movie is getting all the credit it deserves because it's a lot of fun. It says some good heartfelt things that I really kind of had to take in and kind of think about and internalize and say, hey, am I being as chivalrous as I need to be? Am I following Mm -hmm. the code of the knights? Because we should be. I mean, wow. uh, I cannot recommend this movie enough. Take the kids, the whole family. You're all going to have a great time. Just remember that, okay, it's kids fighting the evil sorceress Morgana. It's kids that's going to win this somehow. So it's going to be a little cheesy, and you'll never see a kid die. They'll, they'll live longer than Ewoks do, okay? So you know it's going to have that level of goofy, childish fun. But, you know, if you're expecting that, then you won't, don't get hung up on it and just have fun. Yeah. <sighs> but such a good movie. Take Eric, take your kids. Have a good time. You're gonna will do. It will yes. do. And get in there before Lego Movie Two comes out because oh, you know we got to see that one. <laughs> oh, I, all I know is that song's going to get stuck inside my head. <laughs> Although everything is not awesome anymore, so but the Lego Movie Two is still on its way. Mm-hmm. But now it is time for us to move on to our very long and very entertaining conversation with Mister Jim Corcus and. Take notes, y'all. Seriously, take notes. To Disney and beyond. And then in November 65, that's when Walt announces we're building in Florida. Yeah. You know? Ugh. And 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 actually, that's a, a good idea because I, I don't see how they could have built both. And, and especially with Walt passing away in, in 66... You know how the Disney Company um, could have handled both. I, I, I've talked. I've talked with people who were involved with the uh, Epcot project, and I said, "Could Epcot really have have uh, uh, happened? You know, a, a, a community and it's twenty thousand people, and and they're all behaving in a in a Disney way, twenty four seven, because people are coming and visiting and watching them." You know, so they can take back this stuff to to their own cities, and and I said, look, I, I I was a coordinator with college and international programs. It's hard enough to get you know a college kid uh, uh, to behave in a Disney way, you know, for the eight hours that he's on stage, yeah. <laughs> let alone twenty four hours a day. And and they said Walt would have made it work, but once Walt was gone, none of this was going to happen. Oh, and yeah. uh, you know, and and. The same thing here. So, um, from an outdoor uh, uh, pedestrian mall uh, in uh, St. Louis, it was going to be this huge enclosed um, 
theme park and it would be it would have elements that that later got pulled and developed for the Disney theme park. So uh, Pirates of the Caribbean actually came mm-hmm. uh, from this and and some of the other things as well because nothing ever goes to waste, you know, they mm-hmm. they it's it's sort of like Frankenstein. You take apart from this and apart from that, you, you yeah. stitch it together, and 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 it it seems to work. But but Walt was, was very committed because um, Missouri and the history of Missouri was very, you know, I- important to to him. And yeah. um, and uh, you know, it did, was like, did any of them take a look at some point and say, "Hey, if St. Louis won't do it, maybe Kansas City will," because that would made me very happy. <laughs> 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 you know, I, I I think they just got exhausted because you're dealing with all. And and again, the other thing that Walt didn't like was was really dealing with other people who would tell him no, yeah. <laughs> and and had the authority to tell him tell him no. You know, he just got exhausted over that because in the 1950s, a lot of people don't realize this, but the uh, uh, the Disney studio had a commercial department. It was actually run by uh, Walt's uh, niece, Phyllis Bounds, and, and, but, it, but it used Disney artists, and the offices were there on the Disney studio. But, but you couldn't say you were doing a um, commercial studio because that was like, you know, oh, my gosh, that's so, you know, low status, and, you know, <laughs> why would you mm-hmm. do that? But, but that is one of the places where they got money uh, for uh, building Disneyland. Is they were they were doing this, and so they were they were creating uh, characters like uh, uh, Bucky Beaver for Ipana toothpaste. Brush up, brush up, brush. <laughs> the the voice is a sped up voice of Jimmy Dodd from the Mickey Mouse Club, uh, and, and Tommy Mohawk for Mohawk Carpets, and and Fresh Up Freddy, uh-huh. who looked like the Araquan uh, bird, and uh, a little bit uh, of. Uh, uh, the the one from uh, uh, Three Caballeros, the uh, Panchito, mm-hmm. and and uh, yeah. Fresh Up Freddy, you know, uh, where you have to have Seven Up at, at all of your parties and and all of this. And a lot of these these sponsors were sponsors for Disney shows like the Mickey Mouse Club and Zorro and and all of this. And and so that lasted for. Uh, roughly about five years, and and the reason it it fell apart was not because it wasn't making money hand over fist, and and that there were people lining up out the door, but Walt didn't like it that he was doing something, and then one of the sponsors would go because they were used to dealing with other commercial studios. No, I think we should change this here, and and we'd like more of this, and we'd like a little bit more of this color, and Walt just couldn't put up with that, <laughs> and so. Uh, that was one of the things he was starting to find in St. Louis is they had given him uh, a, a free hand. But um, my gosh, you know, when when I look at just some of it, and this is just some of it, there was more. <laughs> there was more. When I look at just some of this, I go, "This is overwhelming." You know, if I was a, a council person, you know, in in um, St. Louis. You know, first off, I'd be blinded by Walt Disney and Walt Disney's uh, charisma and just presence. But then I start to take a look at all of these things, and it's like, this could be 10 minutes away from my house. <laughs> 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 you go, holy cow. Oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, Buzz Price figured that um, conservatively about um, 25,000 guests uh, per day would um 
uh, would come, and, and that would be even during the winter, uh, would would come uh, to, to visit the park, which would be enough to uh, start it off with a, um, a a small profit. But but again, uh, Buzz Price was was very conservative. You know, you take a look at Disneyland now, and Disneyland gets you know between fifty to eighty thousand. You know. Uh, jammed into that little itty bitty, and I'm just amazed at Disneyland. I grew up going to Disneyland, and um, I was just amazed at how much they packed into that amount of space, mm-hmm. and it didn't intrude on on, on other areas, in in other things. And and then of course now I'm out here in Orlando where it's just massive. You know, I, I talked with Imagineer Tony Baxter, and he said. Um, you know, Disneyland is an intimate experience, but Walt Disney World is a spectacular experience. Hmm. Yeah. So when he was asked to uh, to uh, uh, compare those two, and 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 you know, there is just nothing like Disney. You know, yeah. one of the things mm-hmm. that I think draws people to Disney, and people come to Disney through different ways. They come through animation, they come through the comic books, they come through the, the merchandise, they come from going to the parks, they, it comes from uh, the songs, wh- whatever, but, but they all come for the same reason, which is that feeling of, of, of magic and, and reassurance that no matter what is happening in your life, and this all came from Walt, no matter what was happening in your life, it was all going to work out. Yeah. It was there. There was going to be a, a, a happy ending, you know. Even if you went to Pleasure Island and and your friends were turning into donkeys, it's still going to be all right. Even if that wicked witch uh, uh, poisons you and kills you with an apple, it's still going to be all right. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> there's still. Uh, I talked with the Imagineer uh, Alice Davis when I was going through um, a, a bad patch, and she said, Jim. You know, at Disney, and me personally, I believe in happy endings. Right. And if you're happy, if you're not happy, it just means it's not the ending yet. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, you know, th- that's one of the reasons. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's great to have uh, podcasts like this to uh, give a little bit of the magic. You know, to people, and 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 sort of almost like a booster shot to get them <laughs> all. You know back up uh, into that. And, and and those of you who are listening to this and go, gee, I really like this guy. You know, I have written a, a lot of uh, books, and they're available at Amazon.com and at uh, ThemeParkPress.com. And uh, they cover everything from uh, Secret Stories of Disneyland. To, there's actually one book called Call Me Walt that is just about Walt Disney. And in the 200-some pages... I never mentioned Mickey Mouse, Disneyland, audio animatronics, any of that, because oftentimes we define Walt through what he did rather than who he was. Mm -hmm. And so this is the first book out there where I talk about his pets. I talk about the different cars that he had, where he went, uh, you know, to to buy his clothes, uh, every member of his his, uh, uh, family. Uh, the hobbies that he had, and people go, oh, yeah, I know hobbies. He, he, he liked miniatures. He liked uh, trains. His biggest hobby the last years of his life, lawn bowling. 
<laughs> and, and he he went to lawn bowling tournaments wow. on, on his way to get a special uh, award from um, special medal from uh, President Lyndon Johnson. He took his lawn bowling team to a tournament <laughs> wow. that was taking place in a state on the way to go into Washington, D.C. And in fact, uh, uh, just before Walt died, he was making plans on on, on taking the whole team to a lawn bowling tournament in Australia. (laughs) Oh, wow. You know, and and, and so, as I said, you know, with Disney history, there's always uh, uh, something uh, new to to learn. And and, and I, uh, over uh, the holiday season, over December, I had... uh, uh, two books come out. One of them is uh, Vault of Walt, Volume 7, the Christmas edition, which is filled with nothing but Christmas stories about uh, Walt, uh, the parks, uh, the films, uh, miscellaneous things like the story Ward Kimball told me about how one Christmas uh, he had always dressed up as Santa Claus, but he got so tired of it that he dressed up as a gorilla in a Santa Claus costume to scare his kids <laughs> at Christmas so he wouldn't have to do it anymore. He ended up scaring the dog and had to run across the lawn uh, to a neighbor's house with this dog chasing him and, and wearing this, like, 40, 60-pound costume as a gorilla. So, um, uh, so that's out there. And also to celebrate Mickey Mouse's birthday, uh, Secret Stories of Mickey Mouse, which is over a hundred two-page stories of Mickey Mouse, including the story of how in the 1933 King Kong movie, which I love, one of my favorite films, it was Mickey Mouse who killed King Kong. Hmm? Yes. I'm going to have to watch this now. You're going to have to watch it? Well, They're basically what it was, was there was a flight squadron at, at a Naval Air Force base there in New York that they hired and they had painted on the side of the planes a Mickey Mouse logo. That was the very first military Mickey Mouse logo. And so they went up and when uh, Willis O'Brien had to make the little miniatures and all that painted on the logo. So, (laughs) So there are several scenes where if you look closely, because nobody's looking at the side of the plane, yeah. You look at the plane, it's Mickey Mouse riding this goose, and, and it's got this bomb, you know, and it's, it's Mickey Mouse. There's no oh, ifs, wow. ands, or, or buts about it, you know. Well, the, the planes got him, Mr. Denham. No, it wasn't the planes. It was Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse <laughs> killed the beast. Um, so, That's great. So if you're looking for oddball stories, and, and again, the advantage of buying my books is you know this stuff, and when you share it, not one person says, did you find this out from Jim Corcus? They go, oh, you just know everything about Disney. <laughs> because you're the Disney expert for your friends and for your family. And um, keep in mind that I'm an orphan. This is how I make my living. Uh, and, uh, you know, my, the transmission on my car is being fixed right as we listen to this here. And uh, so you don't hear the sadness in my voice. And uh, it'll be less sad, actually, it, it, if you pick up one of those books. And, and so uh, maybe Jeremy and, and Eric will uh, uh, list that in the show notes, Amazon.com oh, yes. 
and uh, themeparkpress.com. And I have a brand new book coming out in March called The Unofficial Walt Disney World 1971 Companion. And it covers the entire creation of Walt Disney World from 1958, which is when Walt had uh, Buzz Price start to do surveys on the East Coast of where to put another theme park, right up through the end of the fiscal year 1972. And so it covers everything. In in fact, there's even a little short section where I cover uh, St. Louis, because, because I also make the connection of these were the things that were for the St. Louis Riverfront Square Project and ended up at Walt Disney World. And the, um, uh, the foreword is done by uh, Tom Nabby, who was the original uh, oh, Tom yeah. Sawyer on Tom mm-hmm. Sawyer's Island at Disneyland in 56 uh, uh, when, when, when that opened up. And the um, afterward is done by Bill Sully Sullivan, uh, who was a Jungle Cruise skipper at Disneyland in, in 55, later became mm-hmm. a, uh, uh, the vice president of the Magic Kingdom yeah. uh, out here. Bo- both of them are, are, are good friends. There's an entire chapter where I just have memories from people who were there at Disneyland, at Walt Disney World in 1971. So that'll be coming out in uh, March. And uh, the reason it's called the unofficial, because, again, it's unofficial, Walt Disney World 1971 Companion is this is a companion book to the unofficial Disneyland 1955 Companion that is out there. And, and in fact, I've had people who worked at Disneyland in 55, and they go, how did you know? (laughs) And I said, I interviewed a lot of people. I interviewed Imagineers. I interviewed animators. I interviewed, you know, people who worked in the shops. I I, I looked through documents, you know. I spent money that I didn't have. I, 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 I ate peanut butter lunches so that I could... I, I could get, uh, you know, some of this stuff. And, and again, I'm afraid that so much of this is getting lost. Yeah. Because Disney is very much, when we talk about history, Disney is very much an oral history company because they're so busy doing things, they don't have enough time to sit down and document it and, and, and record it, you know. And yeah. so even at the yeah. Disney studios when they were doing animation, if somebody came up and said, well, I want some information about, you know, uh, Steamboat Willie, they'd say, oh, well, go talk to Ub Iwerks down in Special Processes. He worked on that. He could answer any questions about that. It never occurred to people, what's going to happen when these people die or they yeah. leave? Or yeah. or one of the challenges I run into when I uh, interview some of them is um, their memories aren't as sharp as they used to be, and, and, yeah. and they mess up the chronology. Or uh, one of the big problems I had was, uh, one of the big challenges I had, was um, if they had worked at Disneyland and they had worked at Walt Disney World, it, it sort of blended together for them. Yeah. You know? Hmm. So, so so they would say, oh, yeah, you know, at, at uh, Disneyland on the Jungle Cruise, when we went through the uh, uh, Temple Cave, and I go, no, no, that's at Walt Disney World. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, you know, I, I was there. Uh, you know, uh, 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 one of them told me, yeah, th- there was a bridge from Frontierland that you walked across to Tom Sawyer Island. I said, no, 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 that, 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 that's not the case. No, I, I walked it. I said, that couldn't be because the Mark Twain is coming through there yeah. all the time. How could there be a bridge? 
you know? Um, and, and so everything in my books, I have to verify from three independent sources. Oof. Because, you know, there's so much out there, especially on the Internet, where, where people are doing cut and pasting, you know. Oh, it's yeah. here. This must yeah. be true. Yeah. So I get three independent sources or I just don't include it. You know, I don't even include it as, you know, the rumor was. I don't even include that. Everything in there has been verified as much as it can be verified, you know, uh, uh, and, and again, I worked for the Disney uh, company. And so when I was at Walt Disney World, um, I had access uh, to the eight company libraries that were at Disney World. They're not there anymore. But uh, uh, Imagineering had a library, animation had a library, entertainment had a library, marketing had a library. And I would just go in there on my days off because I was a Disney cast member and I knew people and I would just sit there and I would take notes and I would read and I would watch and, and all this. And why are you doing that? And, and it, it broke my heart that the Disney university library shortly before I was laid off, they just got rid of all of their videotapes. Uh, they, they, they had videotape interviews with with uh, Joe Fowler, Admiral uh, Joe Fowler, and things oh, like that. Wow. They just toss them because they go, well, I, I don't know if we have clearances from these people, and, you know, we just don't have the time and money to, you know, uh, uh, have somebody digitize this. And I said, I'll mm. digitize it for free. <laughs> yes. Oh. I, for the second time now in this conversation, I hear Indiana Jones going, that belongs in a museum. <laughs> You know, bing, 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 bing. So, so, so I, 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 I hope, I hope there was a charming Disney historian who made copies of as many of those tapes as he could get. I hope out there somewhere there's a Disney historian who did that so that he could share that information oh. with, with, with people who are like listening oh, to this man, podcast. Uh, hey, I had a lot of fun with you guys. I, I hope you're going to ask me to come back on. Anytime, man. Anytime. Love, love to have and, and And I hope, for crying out loud, the, the next time you're going to allow me to talk. You're not just going to keep interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tried to look for an opening, well, the meantime, but there just gonna wasn't going to happen. <laughs> I was just going to say, in the meantime, I'm going to try and find myself a book about how to be a Disney historian. Yeah. And in I fact, I wrote a book, How to Be a Disney Historian, where I, where I went to the top historians, and I said, tell me how you do it, you know, so that future generations know how to do this. Yeah. You know, I, I, a yeah. lot of people today, as I said, say, oh, I saw this here, so I'll just repeat that. I've had I've had things taken from me word for word, and it, it, that hurts. But what hurts even more is they've taken it word for word, and they've taken off my name and they put on their own name. There, there's one article where I'm I'm talking about growing up in Glendale, California, with my two brothers, and that's in the article, uh, but it's got somebody else's name. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> And, and I wrote to the person, and I said, look, here, here's where it originally appeared, and I'm the one who grew up in Glendale. And the response I got back is, you're crazy. You're crazy. No, we didn't get it from that. We, we, we got it from a, a variety of different sources. I said, it's word for word. <laughs> <laughs> and, and again, facts, facts are out there. Any of the facts that I've shared about 
St. Louis Riverfront Square, that's available to anybody now, you know. But how you present those facts, and again, I try to use facts to tell a story. And I, I, I hope I, I, I've done that on this podcast and, and made it interesting and, and so that people who are listening to this feel that they, they've gotten value for their time. And I just wish I'd have gotten that park that I could visit because it'd only be four hours away from me. <laughs> and I still think here in Kansas City, we need a Disney park. If they just come and like bought where Worlds of Fun sits today and rebuilt that. Mm-hmm. Because uh, right now it's it's so mediocre. Because I you know I grew up going to Worlds of Fun and it was always fun. But then you go to Walt Disney mm-hmm. World, you come back, you go to Worlds of Fun, you're like, wow, this park stinks compared to that. <laughs> well, it, 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 we can we can do an entire story about what's the difference between a theme park and an amusement right. park. And Worlds of Fun and, used to be a uh, theme park. They yeah, had a theme yeah. of around the world in eighty days. But uh, the new people mm-hmm. who own Knott's Berry Farm, I can't even think the uh, the name of the people when they bought it from Lamar Peter Hunt. Fair? Yeah, Cedar Point. When they bought it away from Lamar Hunt, they've mm-hmm. just let that park go away from theming altogether. It's absolutely. Uh, it is absolutely. Uh, at least they're trying to keep well, it open well, a little know, longer. We, we they can have talk about that, that, that whole thing that you know it, uh, amusement parks uh, were really an American it, it adventure uh, invention. It, it happened because uh, at the turn of the century, you had uh, trolley parks. Now, what a trolley park was. Do we have time to talk about this? I can wrap this up in two or three minutes here. Okay. Uh, basically, what happened is, in the old days, people didn't want to ride trolleys because, mm-hmm. my gosh, they could go like five miles per hour. You know, you, you wouldn't be able to catch your breath because the air is just zipping by you so yeah. quickly. And so, uh, and then also on the weekends, nobody's riding the trolley because you're not going to work. <laughs> and so the trolley mm-hmm. companies came up with the trolley parks. And a trolley park was centered around a body of water, like a, a, a river or a lake or whatever. And they would have uh, uh, picnic benches, you know, uh, type things, so people could then take the trolley out to the trolley park, which was pretty much the end of the line there. And you could fish and you could boat and you could have a little picnic. And then uh, people thought, well, wait, what if we put up some food and beverage things here so people don't have to bring their picnic baskets with them? What if we set up a couple of games, you know, things like this? And so um, a lot of the uh, amusement parks that that we know of, Coney Island's one of the famous ones, started as a trolley park. Huh. And as it grew, it grew chaotically. You know, there was no plan. You know, it just kept expanding and, and, and sprawling out and, and all of that. And then also it brought in um, uh, pickpockets and uh, prostitutes and, and, and all of these, you know. And so then that's why they started charging money to go into an amusement park. Because if you had spent a dime and then you did something naughty and got kicked out of the park, you lost that dime. Yeah. So it guaranteed that you would stay there longer. And then also you want to get in as many people as possible. So there are lots of different entrances into the amusement park. And part of that also is to confuse you so you will stay longer mm-hmm. in the amusement park. You know, because you're constantly going back and forth and all this, and there's all of these sounds and all this trying to attract your uh, attention and all of these colors and all this. What made Disneyland unique 
is there was only one entrance. So you Mm -hmm. went in and you went to the hub and then it spoked out into these different areas. And uh, so that way you could also control the people coming in and control, okay, who's gone out, you know? And there's the castle Mm -hmm. there. uh, So you're always, um, no matter where you are in the park, you always have that reference, you know, so that you can find your way through this. So you're not constantly getting lost and, and frustrated. Again, that sense of reassurance. You're safe. Right. Everything is all yeah. right. And the reason why you have Main Street there is not just because Walt loved things that were nostalgic. You had a Main Street there as a transition because you had just come from a city that had streets and buildings and shops and cars and things like this. And now you go into Disneyland and yes, you've got a city that has got streets and cars and, but my gosh, it's a smaller perspective. So even though you don't notice it consciously, your mind goes, this is a fantasy. Mm -hmm. There's something else here. Mm -hmm. And you're transitioning through that into these other worlds. And as you leave, you're also going through that to prepare yourself to go out there into that real world again. Mm -hmm. So it's not a shock to your system. Uh, Although coming home is always a shock to the system. (laughs) And Walt did this all instinctively. You know, I talked to John Hench, and I I had talked to him years ago, uh, because, you know, when I write these books, you know, it's not like, well, I'll sit down and I'll write a book today. Usually they're in preparation for years or or, or decades, you know, gathering Mm -hmm. the information. and, And I said, how did you go about building other, you know, theme parks after Walt passed, uh, passed away. And he said, we had to do it through experience where Walt did it through instinct. Hmm. You know, Walt, Walt had that sense yeah. of, you know, this is what, you know, uh, uh, should, uh, uh, be here. You know, that there was a, uh, when Disneyland first opened, there was, there, there was an area that people were constantly cutting across. And so Bill Evans, who was the landscaper, said, I'm going to stop them from doing that. I'm just going to plant cactus here, you know, so people don't go go through. People were kicking the cactus to pieces and all this, and they went to Walt, and Walt said, put the most delicate flowers you can right there. And, and they said, Walt, you're insane. They're kicking the cactus. And you're saying put the most de-. He put the most delicate flowers there. People avoided it. <laughs> <laughs> because it was the most delicate flowers that even just a slight breeze and they just started to, sh- to shake a little bit, you know? <laughs> and so people were not going to add to that. Walt was just amazing, yeah. a, a, an amazing man. And, you know, uh, uh, he only had uh, one year of high school, and that, that was in Missouri, of yep. course. But oh, only yeah, one yeah. year of high school and, and then went overseas. And when he came back, he felt that he'd had so much experience that he didn't need to go back and, and, and finish school, which w- was a, a crazy thing for, for somebody at, at, at that yeah. time, because, you know, you, you needed to have that education to get a job. And he wanted to be a cartoonist, which was absolutely insane, because at that time there were no animated cartoons, and the only cartoonists worked for newspapers, mm-hmm. and they were primarily editorial cartoonists, and they were primarily old guys, 
and most of them just stayed there until they died. Yeah. So, so for a young boy without a high school education saying, I'm going to be a cartoonist, it's like, oh, geez, you know, <laughs> did, did he get kicked by the mule? Did he get kicked by a Missouri mule? I don't know this. <laughs> May as well work in that. Jelly factory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, well, you, you know, the exciting thing about the jelly factory is he worked there for a little while and he got bored. So what he did is he went back up the line because Walt's job was actually to take the jars and put them in a crate and seal up the crate. But sometimes the jars weren't coming down. And so he went back up the line to see all the different processes and what was being done so he could understand why the jars weren't coming down as as fast as they sh should and so by studying that he was then later able to use that in animation of of setting up an assembly line type of situation hmm. and and knowing wow. exactly how long you know this would have to happen this would have to happen this would have to happen to end and you end up with that animated film <laughs> lessons from a jelly factory who knew <laughs> that's that's about it. And, and and again, you know, tap into this as, as much as you can. I I don't have a girlfriend. I don't have a life. <laughs> so I've got nothing else to do but obsess about Disney. But but once I get one of those things, all of this will ooze out of my ears <laughs> like slime. So and and I, and, I, and I'll forget all of that stuff. But uh, we'll just put jars next to your ears and been, catch it. This has just been a real pleasure. <laughs> I, I I love sharing this with with people who love Disney and, 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 and love the discovery of that. And uh, uh, thank you so much. And thank you so much for allowing me to uh, 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 promote my books. I, I, I appreciate that. Well, thanks for coming on. This has been fun. I mean, I, I'm learning oh, stuff here. Yeah. I should be taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 again, I, I try to give as much information as I can so people go, you know, I should listen to that podcast again. Yes, they should. <laughs> we are here every week. <laughs> and we will definitely have you back because there's so much stuff. Because uh, there's some of your books I'd like to get into. Uh, well, like Song of the South. And you wrote a book about some mm -hmm. of the myths about Walt Disney that I'm intrigued by. And uh, we're even planning on talking to, uh, I guess, Paul Anderson from the Disney History Institute. Yeah. Uh, I plan on having him on. Oh, yeah. He said he's going to be available in February. So everybody keep an eye out for that. That'll be coming up as quick as we can because he's actually on his, his Facebook page been uh, de debunking a lot of this ridiculous things people say about Walt. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking yeah. forward to talking to and, him as and, well. And, and again, because Walt is larger than life, and, and we tend to forget Walt passed away 50 years ago, so a lot of people never saw him you know, on, on TV or heard him talk or things like that, so, so they think he's this mythological figure. You know, like a Paul Bunyan <laughs> or a, or a, a, a Betty Crocker mm -hmm. or, you know, uh, something like that. He, he was a real man. He, he wasn't a perfect man. He was stubborn. He had a temper, yeah. you know. Um, uh, but, you know, there was nobody else in the world like him. Nobody else in the world uh, like him. Well, and maybe some of your listeners will write in some questions and say, gee, when you have Jim back on, could you have him talk about this or have him talk about that? And... You know, that's a good idea. I, I, I can make up anything, so it's okay. <laughs> See, you guys actually believe there was a St. Louis project. Yeah, never. Nobody ever heard of that. <laughs> oh, we know there's not even a St. Louis, and I live here, and I've I've been there, and there hasn't been a St. Louis. <laughs>
Well, you know, one of the things you can do as an aspiring Disney historian, go back and pull up some of the uh, uh, newspaper articles from that from that time mm. period, uh, 63 through 65, and, and see what they're saying about this uh, project. That is an interesting concept. I hadn't thought of doing that. You yeah. know, it is especially the local papers. Yeah. You know, because because it, it didn't make national news. But, yeah, the local papers, that's pretty important. Yeah. You know? S- sounds yeah. a lot like what W.R. Miller was saying he was doing doing research for for his Star Wars book that he just put out this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, but Bob's a good friend, and my gosh, he, he does research that... Just hearing about it exhausts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, well, as usual, I'm having too much fun talking. See, book authors are more fun sometimes than a lot of other people we talk to because they have so much knowledge they've gained when working on these books that it's always a treat. Mm-hmm. So, so if, if you're out to actually listening to this and you're writing a Disney book and you want to talk about it, come talk to us because we like hearing about all the stuff you learned when you're researching. open invitation well once again thanks for coming on the show and we're definitely going to have you back as many times as you possibly can stand us (laughs) and 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 thank you so much for for inviting me and for all of you who are listening uh my wish for you in, in in the new year is that all your disney dreams come true thank you for listening to the neverland podcast we invite you back next week for more fun and adventure Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official lost boy or pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander. Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash NeverlandPodcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland Podcast, we love you.